If I haven't got a chance to meet you, my name is Davey, and I'm one of the teaching pastors here. And I'm thrilled to be here to close out the series, How It Started, How It's Growing. You guys enjoyed the series so far? Yeah? It's been really good. Pastor Rashad kicked it off, and then Pastor Josh has done the past two weeks, and I get to put kind of the exclamation point on it. And uh, I haven't had a chance of being here um, for a few weeks since Easter weekend, um, so I don't even feel like I've gotten to celebrate what God did with, with Mercy Road uh, over Easter weekend. But it's so cool to hear we've had over, over 50 people just at this location give their life to Jesus. Um, and, and it's just it's awesome to be back and be able to kind of share and put, a, put a, again, an exclamation point on this series. Uh, my wife and I were in Denver last week um, preaching at a church, and we went afterwards for a little marriage retreat to Breckenridge. I know that you, um, I know you feel sorry for me, right? Uh, <laughs> and we got to ski a little bit. It was fun, and, uh, but it's so cool to be back here. And when we flew back in, we were in Breckenridge. It was like, you know, obviously below 30 and flurries and snowstorm and all kinds of stuff. Flew back in, and the spring weather, right? Spring has sprung in Indiana. I'm excited about that. It's so appropriate for this series. Don't hold your breath. It'll probably be snowing tomorrow. It's just the way Indiana kind of works, but uh, man, it's just good to be back. You excited to dive into God's Word? All right, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. Let me set it up like this. Last night, because it's spring weather, it was a little chilly at night, we, we did a bonfire with my family, and we were sitting around the bonfire, and it caused me to think about this series because I asked everybody there at the bonfires, and I said, uh, hey, do you guys want some s'mores? And my wife goes, how can you have s'mores something if you haven't had anything? Yeah, right? What's that from? The Sandlot, of course. Okay, so how many of you have seen The Sandlot? So it got me going down this road where I was like, oh, man, I love that movie. And I started thinking about some of the, I, th- I thought about that character who said that. And I was like, I wonder where he is now, right? You know, Patrick Renna? He said that. He also said, you play baseball like a girl. You know what I mean? It's like, come on, you're killing me, Smalls. Well, it turns out he, he still uh, is doing stuff, but he um, has a podcast or a video ca- cast called You're Killing Me. All right? And he's like, kind of, I just saw on Instagram the other day that he had the picture of him posing in the same outfit just like this where he's calling a shot, you know, in the movie The Sandlot. You guys with me? You know the movie The Sandlot. Okay, all right. If not, we got to start from square one, okay? we got to totally ditch the message, and we'll just show the movie right here. So I, that got me thinking, what about some other child stars that had this, like, big upstart, but, but you're like, where are they now, right? It's like the old TV show. I thought about this one. Come on, who is this? Everyone says Matilda. That's not her real name. Her real name is Mara Wilson, okay? But she did play in Matilda. I love that movie. Mrs. Trunchbull and all of that. You know, it's such a great movie. Even better book, okay? For those of you guys who like to read the book instead of just watch the movie. She also played in the new Miracle on 34th Street. At Christmas time, I told my wife, Christy, I said, let's go watch the new Miracle on 34th Street. She goes, you mean the one from 1994? <laughs> you know you're getting old when you think something from 1994 is new. You know, like, oh, yeah, that, that's right. That was from 1994. So uh, she played in that. What about, what about this child actor? There's like mixed feelings every time when I've showed this, people are like, oh, or they're like, oh, you know, why? Because we all know he had such a great upstart, right? I mean, Macaulay, like, I made my family disappear. Come on! You know, like, it's such a great movie, series of movies. But then what happened? Right? Well, many of us know he was in the newspapers for a lot of different issues and stuff, and you know, but now he's, where is he, right? This is, this takes place quite a bit. We see it in Hollywood. We see it all over the place. It got me thinking a little bit about songs, one-hit wonders, you know? Uh, this will tell you the era I grew up in. I was born in 1985, so the probably biggest one-hit wonder that came out of my era was this one right here. I can't go down. 
Come on. Who, what, what, what's the name of that song? All right, Tub Thumper, right? Tub Thumping by Chumbawamba. And if you're, you're older than me in the, that generation, you're like, what in the world, right? My kids probably listen to that. If you're younger, you're like, that's lame. You know, like, just don't even, Davey, right? What about this one? This one might be a little bit newer. Because you had a bad day. You take it yeah. down. You know, it's a, okay. How many of you guys ever heard that song? Okay, do you know it's Bad Day by who? Nobody knows, okay? One hit wonder. <laughs> the first service, someone said train. It's actually Daniel Powder, okay? Who knew? Why? Because he had this drastic upstart, this big platinum hit, and then he wasn't able to reproduce that in any of his other works. And I started thinking about this, and I was like, man, this is odd. We can have fun, and we can laugh, and we can joke, and we can reminisce when it comes to entertainment, but this is not okay when it comes to our spiritual walk. And this is what this whole series is about, how it started, how it's growing. Because we've all had moments, right? We've all had spiritual moments, spiritual high moments. If you grew up going to youth camp like I did, you know the Thursday night youth camp experience where you experience the power of the presence of God and everybody's coming down to the altar and they're giving their life to Jesus and they're repenting of their sin. They're crying and snotting all over each other like, I'll never sin again, man. And that's just the guys, right? And then they leave and what happens? It always fizzles out. I mean, it got so routine year after year that we almost knew that it would. We almost didn't want to experience that spiritual high because we knew that it would fizzle out. And maybe you've experienced those kinds of emotional highs and you're going like, okay, I experienced it at Easter. I've experienced it before. Why does it fizzle out? Well, here's why it fizzles out. Because your emotion will not sustain your devotion. Come on. Emotion will not sustain your devotion. And what we've got to talk about as we close out this series is how do we experience the 30, 60, 100-fold type soil that this passage talks about? Jesus tells a parable in Matthew chapter 13 where he addresses this very issue. It's the parable we've been walking through for the past three weeks. And, and I'm going to read the part where Jesus interprets the parable um, because he tells this parable, and the disciples come to him, and they go, what does that mean? Tell me what it means. And he interprets it. Now, every time Jesus tells a parable, which he did quite frequently, he was a great storyteller, best communicator that has ever lived. And, and when he tells a story, he's intending on trying to impart to us kingdom principles or kingdom paradigms that he wants us to understand. And any time you see a parable, you've got to ask some questions. You've got to go, where's God in this parable? Where am I in this parable? And what other metaphors are going on here that he's trying to give me some keys to unlock? Okay? Here's the interpretation that Jesus says in Matthew chapter 13. It says this. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. This is verse 18, now verse 19. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. Pastor Rashad talked about this the first week. He said the seed was what? What does it represent? The word. That's right. The seed is the word. And the soil represents what? Come on. Let's go. Our hearts. Our hearts. The soil is our hearts. So the seed, the word, gets sowed into our hearts. And some people receive it. As Pastor Rashad talked about, there's hardened soil. There's hardened, calloused hearts. Either because somebody has been tramp you've been trampled on 
right? You've experienced some kind of pain, so it jades you or calluses you. You need to go back and listen to all of those messages if you haven't yet. It's so, so good. And then week two, Josh talked about verse 20, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Then week three, Pastor Josh talked about verse 22. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. What I want to land in on is verse 23. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what is sown. Um, let's do this. Let's pray. Because I want to pray that the soil of our hearts will be ready to receive this. So bow your heads, close your eyes, and uh, let's pray. Jesus, I ask that right now that the words that, I, that, I bring, that, bring, that come out of my mouth, would they not be my words? I want them to be your words. I want them to be seed that can fall on really good, rich, deep soil. So would you take anything that's in our hearts right now that is preventing us from hearing your word? Would you, would you clear that up? Would you open up our hearts completely to you and to the word that you have for us? And I pray that this word would go out and it would do exactly what you ordained it to do, to produce a crop 30, 60, 100 fold. In your name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. I don't know about you, but I want my life to speak that verse 23. Don't you? My life was a, a life that bore fruit that was 30, 60, even 100 times Fold, right? A hundredfold. I want my life, when I lay my head on my deathbed, when, I, when, when someone's preaching at my funeral, okay? When, like, the, the thing that's inscribed on my tombstone or the epitaph that's given or what's, what's put in the newspapers in my obituary, whatever it is, I want it to say, this man lived a life that was 30, 60, 100 time fold. I want God to do something in and through me that creates a ripple effect and an impact. Does anybody else in here want that for your life? That's what we've got to lean in on. That's what we've got to focus on. And we've got to figure out how do we have the soil of a heart that would produce that. And I can tell you again what I said earlier. It's not going to be out of emotion. It's going to be out of devotion. Because moments, spiritual highs, they will move us, right? But they won't sustain us. You hear me? Moments will move us, but they won't sustain us. What sustains us is, and what transforms us is what's done in the, not the moment, but the mundane, the everyday, the rigor of every single day life. We have to, if we're going to develop a life that is going to be fruitful, that's going to reproduce, that's going to impact other people, we have to develop a discipline of dependence on God. Because there are moments in our life where we're going to experience desperation, right? Where a tragedy hits our life, where something seems to be dry, and we're desperate, we're calling out for God. And sometimes those moments where God rushes in, and he creates and stirs a moment that really moves us, right? But what about when we're on the mountaintop? Or what about when we're in the plateau? Or what about when things are going well? Or what about, it's the discipline of dependence in those seasons right there, or what I would call developing a maturity in the mundane. It's in those moments every single day, listen, where nobody sees you that's under the ground, that's in the soil, where nobody's watching. It's what you're doing there that will determine what your life does. You hear me? 
This is why I would tell every single one of these young worship leaders who are up here, man, I'm so glad that Mercy Road gives these worship leaders an opportunity. Jaden got up there the first time, like, how old is he, like 12? Like that's a, but he has this anointing, the Spirit of God on him. And one of the things I told him, and I, tell, I would tell every single one of these worship leaders is, listen to me, do not pursue the platform. Always pursue private worship, because in private worship, what you do when nobody is watching, the way you pursue after the presence of God when nobody is watching, that's what will produce something that will overflow from you on the platform. This is what following after Jesus looks like. It has nothing to do with the things people see. It has everything to do with the things people don't see. It's a maturity in the mundane, which means the first principle we have to understand in this concept is we have to pursue maturity over miracles. Pursue maturity over miracles. Miracles are awesome to experience the power of the presence of God and the Holy Spirit coming and manifesting itself in some amazing ways and seeing miracles of healing and seeing miracles of strongholds being broken and addictions being broken and chains being dropped from our lives. Those are incredible, incredible moments. But the miracles only happen to the extent that in the mundane, we're chasing after Jesus. Do you hear me? We have to be passionately pursuing the underground, what nobody sees, the maturity in the mundane, and that's what sets us up, sets our life up for the miraculous. But if we pursue the miraculous, we miss it. We become a house of cards. We become hollow and empty. This is, this is why spiritual disciplines, oh man, as much as I hate the word discipline, don't you hate the word discipline? <sighs> This is why it's so imperative. In fact, the spiritual disciplines are the building blocks to our faith. They're not something that we can neglect at all. In fact, they are the things that are going to build our faith into something that is going to produce fruit. I choose to call them spiritual rhythms instead of disciplines just because it sounds better, right? I don't like discipline. And yet scripture talks about discipline. In Hebrews, it says no discipline, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but it always produce, uh, produces a harvest, of righteousness. Do you catch the agrarian language again? Harvest from discipline. Discipline, very simply um, termed, would be denying what you feel to do what you know is right. Got it? Denying what you feel, denying the immediate, because you know that there is a, a long-term outcome or gain that's even greater than the immediate. That's discipline. And we have spiritual disciplines that we need to put in our lives in the unseen when nobody's looking that is going to produce fruit. Let me talk to you about one of those. Um, simple, basic, reading your Bible. So simple. But this is huge because this is how God speaks to us. Every single one of us are looking for direction from God. What, who am I supposed to marry? Where am I supposed to go to college? What am I supposed to do for my career? What am I supposed to do here when it comes to parenting? This right here is God's direction for us. You're never going to know God's will outside of his word. This is how God speaks to us right here. Well, man, it would be so awesome, Davey, if God would speak to us in an audible voice the way he used to speak to us. You know, back in the Old Testament, you see them audible voice. Listen, if you want to hear the audible voice of God, take your Bible, read it out loud. Okay? This... This is how God speaks to us right here. And he will speak to us in the space. It's not that he's not speaking anymore. It's that we're not posturing ourselves regularly to hear from him. We have to posture ourselves in space to listen and read and consume. Will there be days where you don't get anything, where there's like not this moment? Yes, absolutely. But, but it's not the moment, remember, right? It's the mundane. Every single day, if we consistently posture ourselves in God's word, he will show up and he will speak. And it will be a powerful thing when he does. We've got to create the space to be able to listen to God 
through his word. This is huge. Uh, another thing that we have to do is, is, is pray. Now, look, if I took a poll right now, I would guarantee you that every one of you feels probably like me, that you don't pray as much as you think you should, right? I feel that too, right? It doesn't matter how much we pray. We're like, I just don't know if I should. And, 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 and yet, we've all probably experienced that prayer is powerful to some extent. We've, we've experienced that. And I've experienced it too in my life. I'm like, man, when I pray, something powerful shifts, right? Whether it changes my circumstances, because sometimes prayer does. Sometimes God rushes in in the miraculous and changes your circumstances. Or whether it's he changes your heart through prayer, because prayer always changes your heart or your perspective of your circumstances. And no matter what that is, he, something powerful happens when we pray. Prayer is this really awesome thing. Like, if you're worried, if you're anxious in life right now, if you kind of have those weeds that Pastor Josh was talking about, you know, Scripture tells us what we can do when we're worried. It says, do not be anxious for anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, present your requests to God. This is in Philippians. What it says then is what will happen is the peace of God that passes all understanding that guards our heart and mind in Christ Jesus. It will guard us when we put our requests, when we put our cares on Jesus. Uh, James, the brother of Jesus, wrote in his book, James, he said that we don't have because we don't ask. Now, this is Jesus' brother. How many times, like, what did he have to do to learn this? You know what I mean? Imagine they're kind of hanging out, and he's like, Jesus, you think you could do this right here? He's like, I thought you'd never ask. You know what I mean? (laughs) James knew this, and so look, he said, maybe we don't have because we don't ask, or maybe we don't have because we ask with selfish motives. But either way, listen to me. Prayer does something powerful to shift something where maybe God does give you what you're asking for because he's a good, loving father who wants to give give good gifts to his children. Or maybe he doesn't give you what you're asking for because he's a good, loving father who wants to give good gifts to his children. And he knows what you're asking for is not good for you. Either way, there's a discipline that has to be, be put in place. Maybe when we pray to intercede on other people's behalf and we pray for others, some miracles could happen right there. I have a guy that texts me every single day since the day that my late wife passed away. Over five years ago, he has texted me every single day day a prayer and encouragement that's man that is discipline right there and that listen to me that i know i've got someone interceding for me i know i've got someone praying for me you know how much that empowers me some mornings i wake up and i get that text from i'm like that's what i needed today that's what i needed god will move when we create that discipline of prayer going to church you know this is a discipline right here Going to church regularly. Scripture says do not give up the habit of meeting together. It's a habit, right, as some do. But, but all the more as we see the day approaching, let's, meet, let's encourage one another. Let's stir each other up and spur each other on, right? You know, you know how I know this is a discipline, and you know how I know it's effective? Because it seems like, doesn't it, every Sunday or Saturday night, you and your spouse are getting in a fight, aren't you? Right? <laughs> The enemy wants to do something to close up the little crevices of your heart so you can't receive the word, right? He wants to make you bitter and angry and callous, right? Or you're, like, you experience your children are absolutely belligerent on Sunday mornings. It's like every other day, you're fine, but it's Sunday morning, and you decide to take the baby powder and pour it all over yourself right after I've gotten you ready, right? Or you're arguing on the way, it's like, shut up, we're going to worship Jesus, you know what I mean? <laughs> this happens, right, because the enemy 
does not want you to make this a habit because he knows that when you make this a habit, it is powerful. When you come together with other believers and you borrow each other's faith and you worship, did you sense that powerful thing that stirred as we sang that last song, right? It wasn't the air conditioner. It was the Holy Spirit of God. It was coming all over. It was like, wow. The enemy doesn't want you to have that. He knows when you create a discipline, a maturity in the mundane, then miracles will be produced in your life. But he also knows if he can get you to chase after the miracles, your life will be hollow. Good fertile soil, just an agriculture world, if you drop a seed into soil, what do you have to do in order for it to grow? You gotta water it. You can't water it once and be fine, right? Just walk away. You gotta water it consistently. So whether it's every day or whether it's every week, it's gotta be a consistent practice. Well, what else do you have to do? You also have to put fertilizer in it, in the soil, right? Do you know what fertilizer is? Do you? It's going to blow some of your minds. Like, what? Fertilizer is poop, okay? It's all it is. It's poop that's been repurposed. Did you know that God wants to repurpose your poop? That, what, like, went here, came out a lot differently than what I... We've all, there's, we've all had a lot of crap happen in our life, haven't we? It's been some mess. It's been some mess. But if you give God your mess, he can repurpose it and he can use it in the soil to create some fertility that will, that will foster this really deep root system so that you can grow really high fruit. You don't grow high fruit unless you have deep roots. You know, every house that I've moved into... Every one of them. I love doing the landscaping, but I always redo all the landscaping. I kind of clear everything as a clean slate, kind of put my own in. But what I always do is I always put this, this lining down over top of the soil called weed-free because I don't, I, listen, kind of lazy. I like management, maintenance-free, right? I don't want weeds popping up and having to go weed everything. Now I have kids, and I don't mind it as much. I'm like, kids, got a competition for you, you know? But... But this weed-free is this lining that's organic, and it, it gets laid down, and, you know, and so these weeds don't pop up every once in a while. You've got to. But I started thinking about this spiritually, and I wonder, I wonder who you have in your life that's your weed-free. Who, who have you invited into accountability in your life? What safe people in your life have you said, hey, I need you to hold me accountable so that weeds don't start popping up in my life and choking me out? The worries and stresses of this world need you to remind me of God's promises in my life. Need you to remind me who I need to turn to and focus on when I get worried. The, the, the temptation for wealth or temptation to go focus on this, as Pastor Josh talked about last week. Who in your life, what safe people have you allowed in your life and given permission to be weed-free accountability in your life? You can't do it with everybody, but you got to do it with some. You got to have some people who love you more than they love the friendship. You know what I mean? They'll, they'll tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. This is imperative. Some of these disciplines in our life, these are not exciting. These are not sexy. These are not like highlight reel-esque. You're not like Instagram, hey, go into my accountability group. Like that's not, maybe you are. That's just weird, okay? These are not things that you see all over, right? That's just this highlight reel or these special miraculous moments. But these are the imperative things that we have to put in our life to have healthy soil to grow. We've got to pursue maturity rather than the miracles. Our life verse, and then I'll move on to number two because I know I'm taking too much time. Our life verse is this. My, my wife and I, we chose this when we got married. It was our verse for the year, and now it's become kind of our life verse until God changes that. Ezekiel forty-seven twelve: fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. 
Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Don't you, wouldn't that be awesome if like your life, you produced fruit that never failed? It says every month they will bear fruit. Watch this. Because the water from what? The sanctuary. The water from the sanctuary. Anytime the scripture references the sanctuary, some of you guys grew up in church, so you know what this is. It's referring to the local church in our modern context. Water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. Can I tell you, it is imperative that you are rooted, that you are rooted in a local church if you're going to bear fruit that is going to last and impact other people. If you take a plant and you pull it up out of its root system, its soil, and you plant it somewhere else, and then you pull it up again, you plant it somewhere else, and you pull it up again, you plant it somewhere else, you pull it up again, you plant it somewhere else, because maybe that plant didn't like the, the style of the music of that root system, or maybe that plant didn't like the style of the preaching of that one, or moved over to this one, and maybe the kids' ministry isn't as good, or maybe the people are a little bit snarky and mean, or maybe the you know, and we start doing exactly what we see in American culture happen, where we just move from church to church to church to church to church, trying to find something that's going to sustain the emotion that we felt and the high that we felt, and yet we get disappointed and disenfranchised because we can't find that. Hello? It's not going to grow. I promise you stick around Mercy Road or any church long enough, the emotion that you originally felt will not sustain. You've got to stay rooted and planted. So whether it's here or whether it's somewhere else, get planted. Get planted so that that root system can take and you can bear fruit. Ironically, we offer this thing called rooted here at Mercy Road, which is just kind of helping you understand some of the basics of following after Jesus, helping you understand how to read your Bible. All right, I'm going way too long. So number two, real quick. We got I looked up at my timer. I'm like, oh man, I've been preaching for a long time already. Number two, the second principle that we gotta have is faithfulness will lead to fruitfulness. Faithfulness will lead to fruitfulness. One of the reasons I see people not step into the fruitful life that God has for them, that he wants for them, is because they become disenfranchised and they give up. They don't stay rooted. So whether it's marriage whether it's uh, parenting principles, you're starting to parent by God's ways, through, or, or whether it's you know, um, a relationship that you have, whatever it is, you, start, you don't see it take root immediately. And so you get frustrated, and, and you don't stick with it. You, you feel that? Do you know that this, this, is, this is huge? That in the frustration, we, the only way we can experience fruitfulness in the frustration is if we're faithful in the frustration. You understand that? We can't jump ship to another thing, right, or change. God will do the miraculous in our life. I've said this before. I'll say it again. He'll do it sometimes in poof, but most of the time he does it in process. There's always this process that happens underground in the dark where nobody sees it that God is using to catapult you into whatever purpose he has for you. He's done it through characters in Scripture all throughout Scripture, right? King David. King David was anointed king, and 15 years later, he was appointed king. What was happening in those 15 years? God was taking him through a process, teaching him lessons, so that he would be ready for the assignment that he was going to put him into. Joseph, in Genesis, same thing. He had this dream where he'd be second in command. 13 years later, after pit, prison, Potiphar's house, all of these different things, these lessons God was taking him through, 13 years later, he finally, that dream becomes a destiny, and he steps into the second in command. The Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul, 
Right after he has this massive conversion in Acts chapter 9, he doesn't go immediately start planting churches. For three years, he literally goes away to, to the desert and he spends time with Jesus for three years. That's it. He's like reading his Bible. He's learning. And then he goes back to Jerusalem for about eight to 11 years, most scholars believe, before he ever goes out and starts planting churches. Every single great person of impact in scripture went through a process. Why would God take us through a process? Because it's in the faithfulness of the process that fruitfulness can come. How many photographers do we have in this room? Photographers? See, we don't understand, and even today in photography, because everything's digital photography, we get immediate access to the photos that we take, right? You want to know if you're selfish or if you're self-centered? You take a group picture, what's the first, who's the first person you look at to make sure that group picture is worthy to be on Instagram? Come on, you, right? Different sermon for a different time, but listen to me. That immediate gratification that we get, it does something to our soul where we don't understand. We get frustrated in the process that God has for us. In the old days of photography, they used to take pictures through a, a process in the dark room. Heard that? This dark room, nine different chemical processes to take the photo from a negative to a positive. Woo! Can we preach this one for a second? It is a process to go from a negative to a positive. If that photo gets exposed to the light before it's ready, it will destroy the photo. Come on. If the light that's shining on you, hello, because you're exposed to the public, if the light shining on you is greater than the light shining in you, it will destroy you. Come on, this is why so many of us have experienced and seen people whose talent took them to places their character couldn't sustain them because they weren't faithful in the process, in the mundane, in the dark. But this is where God wants to develop you. This is where he wants to produce fruit in you. Is where you can't be seen. Faithful. You notice that the verse said 30, 60, 100 times? You know what that tells me? That there are some people in this room that you're, you're, you're destined, you have been gifted or entrusted with 30, some of you 60, and some of you 100. Every one of us is, are supposed to bear fruit. We're supposed to have a ministry. But many of us won't experience the 30 or 60 or 100 because you might be a 60, God stewarded 60, but you're comparing yourself to the 30, Right? or you're comparing yourself to the hundred. You're wishing you had the hundred, or you're saying, I must be much better than the 30. And you're not staying locked in on the lane that God has called you to. Come on. Doesn't Instagram just provoke this? Doesn't Facebook just provoke this? Look at everybody else's life. Look at what everybody else had, the trips everybody else is going on, the platforms everybody else is on the thing that everybody else is producing, and we're not focused on what God has called us to do. Scripture says if you put your hand to the plow and look back, you're not fit for the kingdom. I think he also means if you put your hand to the plow and look to the left or to the right, comparing yourself to everybody else's calling, you'll never step in the lane of your calling. You can't take a plow and start looking at other people and plow good lines for the field that God has for you. Don't compare yourself to other. God has entrusted you with something. You have a ministry. You have an impact. You have a gift. You have talent. You have a story. Don't strive after somebody else's story. Steward your own. And then you might go from 30 to 60 because he goes, well done, good and faithful servant. You were entrusted with few. Now I'll give you more. Come on. These are kingdom principles that we have to understand. 
Now, before we get into the, the last thing, I've got a couple things. And I, I didn't do this in the first service, but I really felt like I needed to in the second service. And I feel like um, the, the Lord wants, really wants me to do this in the third service. Here's a book that I'm reading right now. Okay, It's called Dirt to Soil. I would not recommend it. Okay? <laughs> it's a great book, but I'm, t- but I'm telling you, it has nothing to do with like spirituality. It literally is about regenerative agriculture. That's it. Okay? But I'm learning a principle in here that I think can be applied to our spiritual life. Okay? Regenerative agriculture, in short, this guy Gabe Brown who wrote this, he is a livestock rancher in South Dakota. And he has been the leading advocate for regenerative agriculture. And essentially what regenerative agriculture is, in simplicity, you can watch all these documentaries on it and stuff. In simplicity, it is no-till farming, okay? It is fields that are being farmed without the tilling process. And what they're discovering is that when they till soil, the soil uh, actually degenerates. It becomes less healthy. Because what it does is when they till the soil, it releases nutrients that were meant to stay sequestered in the soil, namely carbon. Carbon is imperative for the growth of life, right? It's like a building block of life. But if they don't till it, then it keeps the carbon inside and it produces healthier crops. So this livestock rancher, he has cattle that graze all over his no-tilled farming and the cows that he is producing because of 15 plus years of doing this, they have omega-3 levels that rival wild-caught salmon, which everybody knows, wild-caught salmon. Your doctor's going to tell you, you need to eat more wild-caught salmon. It's going to, those omega-3s, those are really healthy for you. It's really good, right? Everybody kind of hears that from their doctor, okay? Um, and then the other nutrients in these essentially burgers, right, from this, these cows, it's like eating vegetables because of the, the, the vegetation that they're eating is so healthy because of the sequestered carbon in the soil. I could preach this all day long because every one of us is going to produce some kind of fruit, right? And, and other people are going to eat off of that fruit. Are the, is the fruit you're producing healthy? And so therefore, everybody else that's eating from your fruit, are they healthy? Because I'll, I'll take, man, if I can eat a steak and it's like I'm eating Brussels sprouts, hello, <laughs> let's go. All right, but here's the, here's, the, here's the real application. There were some nutrients that were meant to stay in the soil. One of the reasons I see people not step into the ministry or the calling that God has for their life is because of this one concept, shame. Shame. Something's been done to you that makes you question God and makes you question whether or not God can do something powerful in your life. Or you've done something. And your past is screaming at you, telling you, there's no way God could use you. There's no way God could do something powerful in your life. There's no way God loves you. There's no way God picked you. There's no way God wants to, to save you or redeem you or restore you because of what you've done or what's been done to you. Listen to me, friends. Shame is something that was meant to stay in the soil. Because what happened to you and what you did, if you are in Christ, it is in your past. And your past in Christ has been buried. And what's been dead? What, what's, what, what, where, does the dead thi- where do the dead things go? The dead things go in the soil. And you don't dig up dead things anymore because that is not who you are anymore. You are not defined by that anymore. You are a new creation. The old is gone. You've been buried in Christ and resurrected in him. Keep shame in the soil. God will use that experience, and he will use it for nutrients to produce deep roots so he can produce high fruit. 
but you don't need to drum that up again. Don't till that up again. Don't release it into the atmosphere again. Don't release it into your life again. You tell the enemy when he comes at that accusation voice reminding you of your past, you remind him of his future. Come on, someone. Let's go. You, you tell him that has no place in my life anymore. I am a child of God. I am chosen. I am a royal priesthood. I am a holy nation. God has a promise and a purpose for me, and I'm keeping that dead and buried because that's not who I, who I am anymore. Shame. Shame will keep you from stepping into your purpose. Um, every one of us has a ministry and a purpose. This is what 30, 60, 100-fold means. This is why at Mercy Road we do outposts. Outposts. It's kind of the channel by which we want to encourage you to use the gifting and the passions and the story that you have to impact other people. This is what it means to produce fruit. It's to help other people. Um, I'm going to let you watch this video from Pastor Rashad and, uh, and Pastor Greg, and then we're going to close the service. Watch this about Outposts. Hi, my name is Greg Strand. I'm one of the pastors here at Mercy Road, and this is... Rashad Cunningham, one of the other pastors here at Mercy Road. And we're going to be coming up together in the month of May, aren't we? May 23rd. Nice. So what we're doing in the month of May is we're launching outposts all around the city in around what you like to do naturally. How about, how about barbecue cooking? Yes, there we go. Okay, okay. So what we want you to do is to get a couple, you have a couple people that could do that with you? Yes, I do. All right. So invite them to come together and maybe you could begin to build a friendship and see what God might do as far as having a genuine relationship where over time you can begin to talk about spiritual things, share your story and see what he might do. Amen, amen. So uh, what we're gonna be asking for are outpost leaders uh, that are current and that are maybe potential outpost leaders to come on May 23rd and we're gonna be talking about the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. What does his anointing look like as far as getting us to go out? So it's going to be an incredible time. We're going to have fun together. Lots of we fun. always do. Hope life. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> and we're going to enjoy watching the Holy Spirit move and changing this city through you this summer. Come on out. You. Yes, come on out. We want to encourage you, if you're not a part of an outpost, um, Make it a priority to, to be at that event or check, check out Outpost Central right here. We'd love to chat with you. Uh, maybe you're feeling that God is stirring and challenging you to start an outpost. Um, and man, we would love to chat with you over at Outpost Central as well. Um, the third thing, we've got to write this, write this down if you're taking notes. The third thing is that we have to understand that fruit distributed is fruit enjoyed. Fruit distributed is fruit enjoyed. We can't talk about how to have a 30, 60, 100 fold without talking about who that 30, 60, 100 fold is for. Because it's not, it's not to be terminated on, on ourselves, right? It's to be for the enjoyment of other people. And when other people are able to enjoy it, we experience joy. That's the upside down nature of God's kingdom. What, what happens to, to a piece of fruit? Let's say you have an apple tree. Uh, in order for that apple tree to, or that apple to be enjoyed, it has to be, it has to be broken open, doesn't it? bit into, broken open, and what's on the inside of that apple? More seeds. More seeds that can further be planted into the soil and can produce something. But in order for that seed, friends, to, to produce another apple tree, what has to happen? The seed has to go into the ground and it has to die. Jesus said it this way, unless a single seed falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. 
There's a lot of potential energy in there, but nothing is happening. But when it goes into the ground and it dies, then it can produce a harvest that is 30, 60, 100 fold. Friends, what I've discovered in my life is that when I was eight, I was saved. But from eight to 18, I thought that this whole salvation following Jesus thing was really kind of about me. And at 18, God called me into ministry. And he helped me realize that I am not the point of this whole thing. That even my like discipleship or growth in my relationship with Jesus, it would hit a lid or a plateau if I tried to just fill myself with more knowledge or more understanding or more, right? If I'm just consuming from this, but there was something, a shift had to happen in me in age 18 where I had to understand that this is about helping other people. That a life that is reproducing is a life that is impacting other people. It's a life that is a seed that has to go into the ground for a bit and has to die. Jesus said it this way, take up your cross and follow me. Die to your old self. Die to your own agenda. Die to your own ambition. Die to your own ideas of how you should expend your energy or what you think you should do. Die to those things and align yourself with kingdom principles. And and instead of going through maybe the serving line, right, and you're consuming from this and you're consuming from this and you're consuming from this and you're consuming from this, instead of doing that, die to yourself and your own needs and your own comfort and your own convenience and go to the other side of the serving table and do what Jesus did the very last night before he went to the cross where he put a towel over his arms and he served his disciples. Friends, that is what a life of impact looks like. Is when we don't make us the point of this thing, but we recognize that God's called us to play a part.